Well, friends, uh, the Lord be with you. Today, we get the chance to continue and wrap up our journey on this series we're calling All Things New, looking at a new future before us. But I would be remiss if I did not introduce myself first. I'm Tim. Hi. And I won the furnace debate yesterday. Maybe, maybe you had a furnace debate in your residence. Whether with a roommate or spouse or child. Anybody have a furnace? Okay. It happens every year. There's always half the crew who's like, we're turning on the furnace. And then there's the put another layer on people, right? So whoever you are, really glad you're here. Um, and as we had that debate, which I won, um, realized too that I was, I was looking ahead and I was like, ah, oh, the energy prices are set to rise this, this winter. I don't know what's all behind that, but it did, it stirred a little anxiety in me as I think about the future. What's it, what's this future going to be like? I got a little anxious. I was like, what else don't we know in this crazy world? And recognizing that, man, maybe a couple times throughout the week that maybe more that I have that feeling of like, what does the future hold? I don't want to pay more for my heat. Um, or, or, or who knows what else? Maybe you feel that way too. I, I felt it most acutely uh, recently, Monday night. So I'm returning home from uh, our formation school gathering, and it was really, a, it was a beautiful time and felt really like in the sweet spot with a great community of people who are diving deep into what God's doing in this world and, and feel like, yeah, we can, we can go to the, to the depths of practice and, and theological conversation together. And then it's like I hit a wall. And it's like, but I, I don't. I don't feel like that works in all the places in my life, quite honestly. So I get home and I, and I told uh, my wife, Allie, I just said, I, gotta, I just got to say this to you. I, I feel incredibly ill-equipped to tell our kids about God. And, and that felt really strange to say and somewhat liberating to, to say that I, I just, how do I how do I talk to them about God? We can have a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a 10-year-old, and so much of what I traffic in is, is theological depth and scripture research and, and is not concrete thinking. It's, it's conceptual stuff, like the Trinity. So kids, uh, there's like three people, but it's one God, and right, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's tough. Or like, the questions I get asked, how, how does God, is God big enough to listen to all the prayers of the people at once? I was like, yeah. How does that work? I don't know, right? And so I, despite training and degrees, I'm like, how, how in the world do I communicate this beautiful God to kids in a concrete way? And I had a little anxiety and kind of inferiority feeling around that for sure. And I had a conversation about this with our care pastor, Brian Catlett, who is an amazing person to process some things with. If you haven't done that, I just encourage you to reach out. But, and he's like, you know, we just try and tell our kids good stories. And I was like, hey, there's something to that. And as, as I prayed into that later in the week, hearing God say, tell a good story that shows not just tells your kids about my goodness and my faithfulness. 
Because kids get stories, right? They get in the characters. They remember the setting. And it's those intangibles that I hope and pray populate their imagination of what a good God is in a rich world of, of challenge and blessing undergirded by God's faithfulness. But I still was like, how do I do that? What book do I pick? And last night I got out of the shower, I'm coming downstairs and it's quiet. And I come down and I see this. And it's, it's my dad reading to my kids, and he's reading C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And before my very eyes, my five-year-old is like swashbuckling, and they're in the story. What, what a gift to feel like it's, the story is something that does connect with us. And so we get a chance to explore some stories today, hopefully ones that put our souls at rest about the future that God has for us. Matthew 6 is where we're going to pick up our text today, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is, is speaking possibly to a crowd, but I think especially in this selection, he's, he's speaking to his disciples specifically. And this crowd of disciples are young people probably not out of that concrete thinking yet in all their ways. Some of them will be children by our standards. And he's talking about, if you look at the headers through Matthew 6, if you're in a Bible that has broken up that way, he's talking about giving, uh, he's talking about prayer and fasting and treasures in heaven. I mean, somewhat complex, higher level things. And I have a hunch that after Jesus is doing this, he's like, I need, I need to land this plane for some of these folks in front of me, right? And he's like, I'm, and then he moves into storytelling mode. And that's where we're going to pick it up um, in verse 25. To those disciples who had just left their homes, are following this rabbi in uncertain political terms, uh, uncertain political times, in a culture that's taxing them very steeply. Where's my food going to come from? Where's my clothing? Am I, what about my career that I just left? I'm transitioning careers and doing something new. And all these questions are near the surface for them. And so Jesus taps into a story. He taps into these images that have been with these young Jewish boys since the cradle when I believe their mother would have sang over them the Psalms, including Psalm 19 that says, the heavens declared the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. How great thou art. And God, Jesus is using the story of creation to woo these children into awareness of God's goodness and faithfulness. Jesus uses things like birds and crops and fields and flowers to show God's goodness and faithfulness so that they can have a spirit of celebration rather than fear. And so something deeper can win out over the momentary worries and anxiety. And so for this text, maybe some of you have looked it up already, we're not, I'm going to read it two times. Once, I would just ask you, we're not going to have it on the screen the first time. Maybe just close your eyes or just look around and let these, let these words communicate something to you, these words of Jesus. And then we'll look at it again together with some words on the screen or in your, in your scripture. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. 
They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word of the Lord. I need those one more time. Can we do that one more time? We'll have the words on the screen if you're, if you're a visual processor. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Friends, that's a future I would like to live into. It's a future I struggle to live into, but I want to. When we talk about all things being made new, God is inviting us into that future. One of provision, where God meets us with God's faithfulness and goodness. It, yes, it is the future that someday is hinted at in Revelation 21. When Christ returns and there's no more tears and there's no more suffering and we have resurrected bodies, yes, but it's also the future we get to step into now and today and tomorrow and in the days to come. A future uh, of rest for the soul in God, where God provides for us. And I want to point my kids towards that kind of story, where, where there's a testimony to God's faithfulness and goodness. 
And, and to listen through that story to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What is God saying? What is God doing? How do we get to be a part of that? Both in our collective stories and in the story of our church. And so this morning, both uh, here where the light's blinking and in, in the evening at Marcel Grand Rapids, we're going we're gonna to have, uh, share some stories um, and then have a little time to reflect on our own, our own as well. So um, as we look at these stories of God's faithfulness, just be processing, what's, what's God been doing in your life? What, what kind of story is God writing into the future? And, and to share a little bit of a story with us, I'd love to welcome up uh, our dear friends, John and Susie Zacharias. Would you come join us? Love it. Here's a, here's a picture of John and Susie. They, they didn't know I was going to put this up there. Uh, this is them on our Mars Hill camping trip. Uh, if you want to join us, we just got our dates at Cran Hill Ranch. It'll be June 17, 18, 19. Um, and I love this picture because in it, uh, John and Susie are busy helping the whole campground roast donuts. Uh, Don't do it. Yes, you should do it. It's because you guys were the aunt and uncle of the campground. There we go. Helping everybody along. Um, John uh, is just stepping onto our elder board uh, and has been a long time folks here. Susie's been a graduate of our formation school and just really thankful that you guys uh, are joining us to tell us a little bit about your story. So let's. Glad to be here. What was that? Glad to be here. Oh. Got a little echo too. Uh, so tell you what, why don't we just, we dig in a little bit. Tell us kind of how you started coming to Mars Hill and what, what's, what was God doing amidst that season for you? Uh, is that me? Um, we discovered Mars Hill before we moved here eight years ago from Tennessee. I had run across some information about Rob Bell. There's a book called Love Wins, if any of you have read it. But... Um, it, it just caught my attention because it, it, was a, it was an author and a million readers that stood up together and said, you know, it's okay to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's curiosity in my, in my soul, and I didn't feel like it was an option to really be open with that. And Mars Hill caught my attention there, and then my job moved us up here. Uh, didn't have anything to do with Mars Hill, but... Um, once we were here, we took the opportunity to, to come to Mars, and we fell in love with what we were hearing and the people. And um, seven years later, here we are. So it's been a journey. And so I would say, as far as what was in our hearts then, it was that, that oppression of not being able to really seek God openly, because we felt like there were lots of people telling us how to seek God, or what, what you should find when you find it, or what you should see when you find him and it just didn't match what we were seeing. So this gave us a great place to chase our, chase, chase our relationship with God. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. In the meantime, kind of over the years, where, where do you feel God has met you in your story um, in some times of challenge or questioning and, 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 and brought some things to life for you? you want to start? Um, yeah, well, I grew up in the church. My father was a Nazarene pastor, and um, John grew up in the church, and we're always told what to do. Look, there you, closer? There, yeah, there you go. A little closer. There, I know. Um, we were always told what to do, you know, how many times a week to do it, and we lived at the church, you know, and um, 
coming here just to really study the basics. I didn't know what a first century Christian was or Desert Fathers. I didn't know any of that stuff. And so we just, we learned so, so much here. And you just get hungry and hungry for more. And that's why I love being here. And, and they really seek out who Jesus was and how he treated others and, you know, and this, even the scripture today, just quit worrying about this. Just do what he did. He's going to take care of you. I'll just add to that. Um, this, you know, the pandemic created a disruption in everybody's life, and I feel like it's definitely happened in my life, and then it, it reverberated into things at work and things in our family. And I guess it's, my philosophy is that, you know, we need to be in the moment because the moments go by quickly and you can never get them back. But this disruption's just dragged me into, instead of looking at what's happening today, I've started worrying about what's gonna happen tomorrow. And as I try to pacify those feelings, then I start thinking about my past, which in a lot of ways was really good. So I get this, I, I either have this feeling of worrying about tomorrow or, this feeling of longing for what we used to have in the past, whether it's our parents being with us or you know the kids still being at home because we had a lot of fun as a family. Uh, but then you know today I didn't know what the scriptures were going to be, right? And so all of a sudden, you know I show up here, you know still in my heart wondering, you know what does the future hold and how am I going to make it through this time, this season? And then there's this the scripture from Matthew 6 telling us, well, you know what, God, God does want us to draw our attention back to today and taking, making the most of where we're at um, together as a family of God, you know, chasing God's kingdom. Um, so, so anyway, that, that's kind of where I'm thinking. And, and, real, and just one more thing real quick is it made me think of something my sister says is, you know, we were talking about what is a coincidence? Hmm. And she said, she picked up on the fact that, you know, a lot of times a coincidence can really be seen as God winking at us. Yeah. So we're lost, we feel lost in a spot, and we can see God working with other people over there, wondering what are we gonna do? And then something like Matthew 6 happens this morning, and my sister Renee would have said, well, that's God looking over his shoulder at me and winking, right? To say, I, I've got you, it's gonna be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. That's it's a, it's a good, John. God is not just like, live in the now, but do so because that's where God meets us. Yes. Because we get to be participants in what God's doing. And it, it's, it's, I, I'm going to look back too. This week, this week on Spotify, little Goo Goo Dolls came on and I was just, just like nostalgic, man. I was just in the moment. Um, but God's calling us to be in something here and also then to, to, to trust into the future. And so as you look at what, what is next, um, what are you longing for, what to God, for God to show up in your community, in your lives, and, and in this community? What, what are you, what's your heart poised okay. towards God? I doing? have a little bit to say about the middle part here, about our house church. We've had house church for yes. four years. And as we're going through quarantine, we just started stop talking to each other because we got tired of the text. Uh, some people would answer, some people wouldn't, and then you speculate, well, what are they thinking? What's going on? Are they upset or whatever? We all hated Zoom. 
I still hate Zoom. <laughs> and, um, and we just stopped seeing each other. We just stopped talking. And then finally, when we were set free a little bit, we had a bonfire together and we were talking and it took a long time, but everybody started kind of sharing their real feelings. And we're like, man, we really need each other. And we were just longing for something and we still can't quite name it, but what we've slowly been doing is, um, being a little more creative and intentional, and it's hard to be intentional and to practice intentionality. And um, we started meeting again, but like a different focus, kind of looking at it like the first century Christians. And we we kind of made a little format where we have time where we worship and we give testimony in front of each other and we pray together and we take prayer requests and, and um, we've been studying some of the scriptures and whatever, but it, it, it's hard to be intentional. And I just want to share one quick story. I'll try to talk fast. But one of the guys was saying how he's just, I, I'm just sick of talking to everybody about the same old stuff. And so my, my friend that I sit here with at church, she's in with the kids today, but I came in the next day and I'd said grace and peace to her for like seven years, but never anything else. And I walked in, I said, I'm going to ask her questions about something else that have nothing to do with COVID or quarantine or anything. It did not just put my foot in the door. It blew the door off. And for 30 minutes, we're chatting, chatting. Now we text during the week. We're Facebook friends, you know, all these things. And it's, it's just so much richer. And I would have never had that if I hadn't been, you know, a little more intentional. So being intentional and trying to be creative and don't put expectations on God. Because one thing, you know, like when we were watching online, I thought, oh, isn't it going to be a, such a marvelous day when we're all back together and this room is full and we're praising God and it's going to sound like heaven. And then quite honestly, some days you come in here and goes, look at all these great chairs. I mean, a lot of our great chair friends are missing and it's sad, but you can't, you can't get down on that. You've got to be intentional and say, well, what, could, what does God want from me? What difference can I make now with the people around me? now. And, um, and also, you know, our daughter Kate here, who she plays the bass, she, she's 23 years old, and they see life very, very differently than we, we see life. And so what my hope is, as we all keep working together and we keep studying the word and the way of Jesus, that we're going to learn how to bring light to those around us and the young people. And I just really hope that somehow we're going to figure out how people to get people to want to be back in the church again, because some of them are just tired of it. I've had some of these young people tell me we're just tired of it. We're tired of the hypocrisy and whatever. And so that's my hope. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think I think Susie, what you, I think what you're echoing there is something that I think we've felt for a number of months here is that God is really up to something, maybe more than any other time in, in my years here, that there's something that God is moving along and conversations that are happening, communities that are bubbling up, conversations that come out of nowhere and testimonies to God's goodness in the middle of that. And so if, if maybe if you just each had to put maybe just two or three words to what you think the future, uh, the future God's calling us into might be like, what, what are a couple? As a, as a, as a, community? As a community, yeah. Uh, the main one that comes to my mind is engagement, mm -hmm. and it plays along with what Susie was saying, where 
the thought of all the people in this room finding you know, a match between a passion in their heart and a, a skill that they have and a need of, and not necessarily a need in the church, but a need of somebody in our lives. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would just be amazing. I, I feel like that's how the kingdom of God will roll out. Like that's how the kingdom of God will roll out is yeah. in that fashion. And, I, and I, I talk about the people in the room, but that includes me. You know, I'm searching for, you know, what, where's my area of engagement mm -hmm. next? You know, because I, I just want to see God's kingdom roll out after all this disruption and the, you know, the chaos and the discord. You know, I believe in the grace of God and the peace of God that passes, surpasses all understanding. And just the idea of seeing that wave roll out over all of us mm -hmm. and the people that we influence would just be miraculous and beautiful to yeah. see. Yeah, engagement, I hear renewal in there. There's this, this mobilizing component that God's, God's really doing something now and in the future. Yeah, I Susie, just how have about you? four words. Four words. Kindness. Kindness is huge. Intentionality. Listening. Compassion. Yeah. They're hard words. They are, but they're words that are come through your story. Yeah. I mean, as I listen well, God has been working in those themes over years yeah. in your life. Decades. Decades. To, and to name that and say that's a part of what God is doing here in the future. And so I think as, as we kind of turn uh, turn this conversation out for all of us, what are some of those things that God is 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 moving in your life, themes that are have been happening for years? So what, we put it around three questions. And so uh, we'll, we'll have the first one on the screen here in a second. And this is kind of some, some reflection time. Um, at the prayer wall, we have little bits of paper. At each Bible cart around the room, we have some half sheets of paper, which my kids make ample use of for paper airplanes and whatnot. So if there's some left, use those if you feel like it, or write them on your digital device. But, but now is a few minutes for you to reflect on, on where has God been working in your story? And then what does that look like as our church moves forward into this new season, into this new future where God is doing something really unique? And, and so um, the first one, this question that we'll throw it up on the screen here, is in what way do you long for God to show up in a current challenge or crisis? Where are you now? And where do you need the God of Matthew chapter 6 to show up in it? And maybe, maybe some paper or whatever, you just throw it in your Bible, Matthew chapter 6, and you come back to that every day this week. But that's one question for our reflection. Where do you long for God to show up? Question number two points us backward and forward. Where uh, has God been faithful and sustained you in the past? Where has God met you in the midst of uh, career transition, picking a college, uh, family transition, moving across the country? Where can we name God's faithfulness? And then question number three, in light of this, how can you envision God moving powerfully in and through Mars Hill in the days to come? Maybe this, this is expressed in your house church or the community you hope to find this year. Maybe it's in our, our worshiping life together on Sunday morning. Maybe it's, like John was saying, in a way of, of where, where do you get mobilized towards uh, your passion? Where can we envision God moving in the future? Because these stories are, are powerful. 
We talk about a narrative theology here, which without spending too much time is simply this belief that God's story as we find it in scripture is true and is unfolding and involves you and I as participants in the story right now and in the days to come. And so your story matters because God is at work in it. And so uh, we're going to move to the table here in a few moments and take some time to re reflect on these. And if it's not now, maybe it's in the days to come. Or if there's something you want specific prayer or want to communicate to our staff about, feel free to tuck it in the prayer wall. And if you put your name on it, we'll, we will get back to you on that too. And know that we're praying for you, name or not, uh, what's put on there. But take some time to reflect because, because God is at work in your stories and in our collective story together, drawing us forward, inviting us into a new future where God shows up as waymaker and miracle worker, the one who is making all things new in, in us and in the world. And so that is the God in whom we, we rest in for provision and goodness. It's the God who, who shows up in the middle of the story every single week, even as the story is told to us in its most briefest terms that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. We enter the story of the living God who is making all things new. So would you pray with me? Lord God, we are, are grateful that you call us your children. That as we look around the world you have made and see your provision and goodness, how much more do you love each one of us? Lord, as we give testimony to the places you have showed up in the past where you've brought healing and provision and wisdom and discernment, we ask God that you would do those things again in us. That as you meet us every week at the table, you would meet us every moment with your goodness and your love. Would you paint a picture for us of your future that starts right now? A picture of union and communion with you, of a, of a church that follows you into the future in which you guide and we try and stay in step. Would you enlarge our imaginations as we claim uh, your goodness and faithfulness? Would you be amongst us and surprise us? In Christ's name we pray. Amen.